0: This is Social Media News Live. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. and you're not.
1: I'm Grace Duffy and this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media. Today's show is brought to you by Restream, the best way to live stream to YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, Amazon Live and 30 plus other online destinations all at once so you can expand your audience with multi-streaming today. Learn more about it at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash restream
0: awesome. Today we are going to be joined by Janet Murray and we're going to be talking about cutting through the content overwhelm and getting seen online. We're going to explore how to effectively, efficiently and consistently produce good content that makes it to the right distribution channels for every size of business or company. And we mentioned earlier Restream, amazing sponsor, but we're also sponsored by our friends over on Ecamm. That's how we do this awesome show, have this amazing layout. So if you want to find out more about them, make sure you guys go to social forward slash ecam. That's social forward slash ecam. So, if you don't know who uh, Janet Murray is, she is amazing. She is actually uh, a friend of mine, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but she's a content marketer. She's an expert at that. She's an author. She's a podcaster and a keynote speaker who has spoken all over the world about building online audiences. She's helped thousands of coaches, creatives, entrepreneurs, learn how to create engaging content so they can build their online audiences and make more sales in Their businesses. And she's also creator of the 2021 Social Media Diary and Planner. So if you haven't checked that out, you really need to because it's amazing. So, Janet, welcome to the show today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that lovely introduction.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited. It's been too long since we've been able to talk. So I'm so excited you guys can tune in in today. In fact, our friend uh, Ian Anderson Gray goes, it's Janet. So he's excited (laughs) as well. He was with me at that conference. And our friend Sabrina is also here. She is there. Hello, it's me, Sabrina. Hello, Sabrina. It's Jeff. I'm so glad to see you. So uh, let's get started. Grace, I know you had some questions to kick this off.
1: Well, yeah, let's kick off this, this show by talking about the content marketing landscape in, in general. So more than ever before, we are completely inundated with a flood of, of content online everywhere else. You know, we saw this spike in 2020 as people flocked online for everything from happy hours to classes, performances and even um, even church, you know, church meeting, you know, Mm -hmm. meeting up for church and then like fitness, everything. So now we're at this point where we are both challenged by ensuring that we are creating good content. And as you said at the top of the show, Jeff, that it is effectively and efficiently and consistently being created. And isn't that just the challenge? And then on top of that, you have to make sure that it is going to the right places, getting to the right places. You know, there's so many places you can go to, like apps, web, television, live streaming video, print, mobile. You know, our show right now, we distribute as a podcast afterwards. So, Janet, can you tell us how your business, since you are a content marketing expert, this is this is your space, how has it adapted over the past year? And, and how do you see it evolving uh, throughout this coming year, you know, throughout the rest of this year, 2020, and going into uh 20 I'm sorry 2021 going into 2022
2: <laughs> um for me personally this is the year of the short form video mm. um so it's about reels it's about tiktoks and it's about being able to share your message in these really short snappy videos so um i've got really into instagram reels um this year particularly, uh, TikTok as well. And I'm really excited about that type of content and the challenges for us as content creators to to be able to create really engaging content, short form video, like really, really short. Um, I think that's where it's at. And I'm really excited to see where that goes over the next year or so. And it's a lot of fun. It's very challenging. So for me, yeah, short form video is where it's at.
0: So. button okay sorry so there are folks who create a fire hose of content and you know have like this team like supporting them doing it so like like gary v and buzzfeed and all those people so how can like the little brands like me or solo entrepreneurs in the same space uh compete with that how can we enter the ring and like get seen above all this noise
2: it's always come down to niching and or niching, as yeah, you might right, say, depending right. on, on where you are in the world, and and stand and being not being vanilla, basically, and and looking at how you can you can you can stand out, which just sounds so obvious, doesn't it? But you know, like just like with you, Jeff, like we've got people who specialize in Pinterest, and mm-hmm. then we've got the Manly Pinterest podcast right, right? and, and that, that brand. And I think that, I mean, it's been an ongoing problem for content creators. It's just that a lot of people are too scared to be different, and they're too scared to have a different opinion. They're too scared to show up in a different way. And I think, as ever, it's always been about, about showing up in that really co- kind of authentic way for you. And that probably sounds a bit naff, doesn't it? Authentic, but you know what I mean. But, <laughs> right, I <know>. but, <laughs> but, but kind of being you. And I think the rise of, again, come back to uh, mm-hmm. short-form video like TikTok and Instagram, I'm really interested, and as a content creator myself, I'm much more interested in what people who are creating I, – I, <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I'm less interested in, say, what Gary V is doing right. than what your average content creator who, who's just started a platform just because they're, interested in creating a particular type of content or they want to experiment so some of the people i follow on tiktok for example i follow a tiktoking nun um, <laughs> who, who dances on tiktok um, i follow this guy who in the uk who um, he works on a farm and he does really exciting things like shows us you know lambing and shows mm-hmm. um little baby lambs being born and um, shows us around the farm but also then does tiktok dances um i i think you might have you might remember the um the whole thing with the oh my god what are they called the um the folks the the folky songs what were they called the um sea shanties that's what i'm talking about the whole sea shanty thing that went viral on tiktok i like to say that i was ahead of the curve because i was watching sea shanties (laughs) and i like music and i kind of saw that happen i saw that guy just showing up with his guitar and creating this really engaging content and then it just taking off and what I think we can learn from almost like non-marketers is these kind of people, they often just turn up and they create content because they've got a passion for a particular topic and they learn how to engage their audience almost on the job, if you like. Right. And they create really engaging content and, and they respond to what their audience wants. And and I, I feel like they're the people that I'm looking for for my when it comes to inspiration for content they're the kind of people i'm looking looking towards probably not your marketing gurus or guarantees or whatever Mm -hmm. um and and it's not about volume is it it's about the impact that you make and um it's about that kind of content comes from a really honest genuine place like i just I've got the stuff that I want to talk about, these things that I want to share, and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to have fun. I'm seeing a lot more fun, people having a lot more fun creating their content, which is which is good. Does that kind of make sense?
1: Yeah,
0: I, I totally agree. And the, the question I also want to ask is because now do you sh- because there's this thought also for, for going back to the marketing angle of content creation versus curation, curation. So do you share out? like to your audience, the, the dancing nun and say, Hey, this is a great thing. I mean, cause I know there's a balance and I know a lot of people talked about, yeah, you got to curate content, but you also got to create it and you have to have a balance. What are your thoughts on that? Is that switch? Do we need to even curate content anymore? Or should we just worry about creating it?
2: Well, I guess I can draw on my own experience of, of using content, create curation, I should say uh-huh. in my own marketing to build, I really grew my Instagram account very, very quickly last year, I think it was in the back end of 2019, by curation. So by sharing memes and inspirational quotes. But I feel like, like with anything with content on trends, people start to get to tire a little bit of the same type of content. And I'm not sure, sh- there's still lots of meme accounts about, right. but I think maybe people are actually getting a bit tired of that, of that kind of um, mode of content. And I grew an account of mine really quickly because I'm always experimenting. I'm right, always finding right, out yeah. um, really quickly um, by sharing like really good, good quotes, other people's. And for a while, I was really saying to people like, you know, you don't have to create this content yourself. You can you can curate right. other people's really amazing content. But actually, I think we are seeing a shift towards original content and more personality based content because ultimately that that's what it comes down to. So to back to your question about the TikToking nun. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I I do share those that sort of content with my audience, but if I was just to put that in my story and say, "Hey, look at this TikToking nun." then people would kind of laugh and say, "Oh, right. that's fun." and that's that's great. But actually, I think it's kind of my job to set that in context. Um so maybe by grabbing an interview with the TikToking right. nun, still waiting to see if she says yes, um, or or by, or by including that kind of content, say, in my own podcast or something. So I think curating, just sharing other people's content, I think that was something that was working really well for a while. But I, I, I feel, or I'm certainly seeing, that people are kind of tiring of that and they're wanting much more original content. And, and again, as people have got, much more into Reels and TikToks where people are creating really original personality-based content. I I do see that it's becoming less attractive, I think, that type of curation. I don't know what you think.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think it it all comes down to and it's a struggle. It's always been a struggle for brands and businesses to show that personal side and use that to story. T- I think one of the reasons you know TikTok and this short form content has taken off, like Reels, like you mentioned, is it's storytelling but condensed. There's a beginning and their end to each one of those, you know, TikToks, or and it makes you laugh, or it shows you insight or behind the scenes, or it's Janet doing a dance which you wouldn't expect, you know, when you see that stuff on a reel. But you know, so I think that. And I think, but it's also showing behind, even if you should, if I started, if I did a dance on TikTok, people would watch that because it's like, oh my gosh, Jeff is dancing. It's just, it's, it is behind the scenes. It's like, what in the world? And so I think that uh, that I do agree that it's it's kind of on the forefront. And I know we're going to get on some of this a uh, a little bit later, but um, I want to bring up some of our friends comments. Charles says over on YouTube, he goes, impact is all about impact. Yes, totally agree. And he also says he thinks that was a great question. Well, thank you, Charles. Uh, He says, Mm -hmm. I think people ultimately uh, want more of you. The creator, and that's hard. That's hard being out there. I mean, even going live is hard. But I think you are on the right, uh, the right idea there. And Dustin, our friend Dustin says, I think curation depends on the platform. Uh, some platforms are less appropriate for curating. For example, YouTube. So Dustin's watching over YouTube. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, but yeah, that is very, very true because you don't see a lot of. There are channels which. And I, Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I have fought against some of the, not fought against, but I had conversations with people about, there's some people who all they do, it seems like they curate like those real famous speakers and not steal, but pretty much, and they build channels around that. And I'm like, that's, you know those, those succeed too. So yeah, you're right, Dustin. It depends uh, on the platform, but uh, yeah. So, and he goes like platforms like Pinterest are still heavily about curation. So awesome stuff today. You guys, I'm so glad. Thank you for your comments. Keep them coming uh, and ask your questions to Janet because she is super smart about all this stuff. But I wanted to get into this first segment that we're going to talk about uh, kind of this content management and strategy. The big wave is here. Grace, break this down for us.
1: Yeah, so this was new research from our friends over at the Content Marketing Institute. So for the fifth year in a row, they published their uh, 2021 Content Management and Strategy Survey, which is really focused on how marketers are using technology tools to create, manage, deliver, and scale enterprise content and marketing. So this, of course, is the enterprise level, but I believe this does relate to businesses of any size. They also examine how content teams use people processes um, to precisely target and engage their audiences to create this valuable customer experience. And we'll talk more about what they mean by valuable customer experience in just a second here. But I found the stat really interesting. They said about 40% of respondents said that their organization aren't using their existent content technology to its potential. Now, some of the reasons cited is that integration issues, lack of training, and a lack of communication about the capabilities, which is not really surprising given the rush to adopt new technologies over this past year, given the huge shift to more collaborative solutions You know, as a reaction to remote work. Uh, they also We've also seen a lot more people freelancing, launching new businesses. New entrepreneurs have launched all over the place this past year and um and so janet as an entrepreneur yourself and a consultant to other businesses. How do you navigate this conundrum when it comes to technology? How do you determine what will be able to create content better and help build your business? I know as someone who works in the marketing department of a company, I'm inundated with tools all day long, and I don't even have time to like really assess them, figure out what's going on. And and just like, and I'm a very hands-on person. Like I like to try something and, you know, try test break, try test break. (laughs) So um, that's my strategy, but I don't know that that's really a good use of time my time (laughs) um i
2: kind of feel like it always comes back to the content so i think people are always looking for the latest tool like number one question i get asked is like what's the best um social media scheduling tool or um what's the best way for me to automate this particular process like email marketing Um, everybody gets Certainly, most people I work with get so bogged down in should I be using Mailchimp? Should I be using Infusionsoft? Should I be using all of these kind of you know email marketing softwares? Which is the right one? Which is the best one? But actually. You don't to do email marketing well. You don't even need any of this stuff. Like for me, it's more about the strategy. So, um, for example, with email marketing, um, one of the things I'm always trying to get my clients to do is to do uh, looked not bought sequences. So, when somebody uh, checks out one of your products or services, and uh, you send them an email saying, "Hey, I noticed you were checking out my product or service. Like, can I answer any questions or whatever?" It's a really good sales strategy, but it's just follow up. And I will have clients like who will just for years will hold back on doing that because they'll say, well, I it's difficult for me to get the automation set up or I'm not sure whether I should be on ConvertKit or I'm not sure whether I should be on ActiveCampaign or whatever. And I'm like, but you don't need the tech to do that, to chase somebody up <laughs> uh, who's checked out your product or service and to have a conversation with them. You don't need that. So obviously, I'm a big fan of tech. And... Um, I'm always, we're always looking at how we can improve. Uh, One of the things that I've been looking at this year is, is how to organize my content better. We've just started using Airtable, but ultimately me having Airtable, for example, isn't going to make up for my content not being very engaging. And so I'm always back to, is the content engaging? Um, Is it allowing you to have conversations with people? Automation is great. It can make your life easier, but the first thing is always getting the content right.
0: I think that's a great point, yeah. So it doesn't matter if you have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of tools. If if your content stinks, then it doesn't really matter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, following on that technology question, uh, another finding in that report indicates that teams are becoming more focused on their owned content marketing platforms, like their websites and their blogs, than reacting to like internal reactionary requests. So do you, have you found this to be the case about your own client? Like um, are they, are they starting to like really dive in deep on their own stuff and not worrying about that other stuff? Or what do you, what have you been finding?
2: I find that it's still a challenge to get people to, to build an audience on their own land. So to get people to publish on their website, to publish uh, YouTube videos, like, you know, turn them into a blog post on the website. So podcast, make sure that's all on the website because it's harder, isn't it? And the results it takes longer to see the results. So I could make an Instagram Reel today that people really like, and I could be, have a viral Reel this afternoon and, and, and I'm getting that feedback or just a couple of thousand views that are mm-hmm. gonna make me feel better or a sale or somebody's gonna get in touch with me. I think the thing about getting people to build an audience on their website, on their own land, if you like, is, it's huge for me and it's always been really important for me, but it's a longer game, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I, I still have, People who get in touch with me about things I wrote years ago and ask me if I'll do do, do work for them. You know, things I wrote on my blog years ago. Um, I have some blog posts that that make sales for me every single day, but it's a long game, isn't it? And and you can't put something up on your blog or on your podcast that you publish on your website, whatever, and expect to be uh, top of Google, you know, the next day. And so I think that's always, for me, for the smaller business owner, that's always a harder sell because it's about playing a long game. Social media gives you that short-term hit, doesn't it? And it can give you that short-term feedback that your content is good. But with content that you're creating on your own platforms, I'm 100% you know, totally always trying to persuade my clients that it's really worth doing because that's will, what will bring them leads and sales further down the line for years to come along with their email marketing. But for me, it is always a harder sell because I think we're in a society. It's inter- the report really interested me from that point of view. I wonder if people are saying what saying what they think people want them to say rather than right. actually what's really going on. I don't know. Um, but I feel like it's all... it. it you have to really play a long game with that side of things it's well worth it but i think social media makes it so easy to say i'll tell you what i'll just do another social media post because then right. i'll get that immediate feedback that i'm doing okay
0: so that's the thing that i've always said too is like yeah so um it's great to have a TikTok video that goes viral my 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 son's girlfriend has some that have gone viral no sales Nothing. It's you know, if it doesn't have a a place for you to to for them to land where you actually are converting them, getting them on your list or selling them something. And then, you know, that those social posts, just like you said, really doesn't matter since we've been talking about tech and some other things. I wanted to ask and see if like, um, you know. You know, we we, and because I've been to your conference, I know you're really big on list building and building that email list is, you know, and like for for us, we have um, this text message that we have, we send out reminders before the show at, I'll just say 903-287-9088. Is is SMS something that would be um, another way to do that? Are there any other new technologies that you're exploring uh, that kind of works with that email list building kind of philosophy?
2: Yeah, and obviously um, using messenger apps is Mm. huge. And obviously text messaging can be part of that as well. So it's certainly something that I use um, in my own business. Um, I've got early access. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say, but (laughs) I've got early access to to, uh, an Instagram um, messenger feature. Mm. Um, So I've been getting to try out lots of cool stuff um on instagram delivering lead magnets to people and um and as part of that we can use text messaging as well um so i think messaging is is going to continue to be huge um both on social media platforms, but also um, via text. And what I love about it is obviously that you can reach people in different ways. So um, people can go to my Instagram. If you want to, you can go to the, you can go and click on my Instagram and and try this out, but my messenger will deliver you my lead magnet and then we'll, um, then we'll follow up with you via email. And I love the way that all of those different ways of, there's different methods of communication, I guess, um, mm-hmm. can interact with each other. I've just created a new quiz um, uh, for an audience growth quiz. And that will, um, you do the little quiz in my messenger, either on Facebook or Instagram, um, and then it will deliver those results by email. And then if you want to, um, if you're going to come to a webinar or something like that, you could then get a reminder by text. So I, I, I think also it, the more choices we have um, to to say how we want to be communicated with as well, so some, some of us prefer text messages, don't you? some people right. prefer messenger and, and I love the way that, I love the way that all of that tech can interact with each other and how you can have a, a conversation with somebody on social media and using that kind of tech they can be on your email list and you can be nurturing that, that new person um, within seconds so that's all, all really exciting I think and I think there's lots of new developments coming there.
0: Awesome. So there's a couple of questions I wanted to bring up. Uh first of all, Charles says, uh great information being shared here. Thank you, Charles. I appreciate that. And Hilton says, uh Instagram DM automation was open to the public on the 2nd of June. So that is a relatively new thing. Thank you Hilton mm-hmm. for sharing that with us. Um real question a question here is um This is this is a long one. So it's going to. So this is from Marino uh, uh, says we've been dealing with content marketing so far. And to me, it seems like we've got to the edge of that era since all social media are flooded with content, mostly useless for businesses. Now we've come to understand that mass marketing is made out of smaller and smaller niches or niches. What is the next big thing? So do you think the next big thing uh, answering kind of uh, Marino's question there is that it's. It is those messenger and then as the ai and that kind of stuff develops it will become more and more personal is that what you think kind of the next big thing would be
2: yeah i think so and i also think it's about again short form content um Mm -hmm. so being able to I'm a big fan as, a, as right. a writer by trade. I'm a big fan of being able to say what you need to say or get across what you need to say in the least amount of words possible or the least, you know, in the medium that is most accessible to you. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I, I feel that's where where we're going. But I also feel what what I love about all of this is the accessibility part of it, because I think communication, being able to choose the way that you want to be community the, the way you want to be marketed to even like you know i want you to market to me uh, by text message or i prefer you to market to me by email or whatever it is be able to kind of um appeal to people's learning styles i guess mm-hmm. or the way that people communicate i think that's really really powerful um and everything's just so much easier now isn't it just just to be able to kind of you know Pull out your phone and, and create a short welcome video uh, to make things feel much more personal. Um, yeah, we, I love the fact that everything is getting more and more personalised and more and more down to people's personal preferences that we can have more um, influence over that. Um, and I also love the fact that everything's shorter and more accessible, and we can have that information delivered to us in a in a medium that 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 we 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 most you know that we find uh,
1: the most accessible.
0: Mm, That's a good point. Good point so grace did you have a question or are we ready for the next section i can't remember
1: i think we're ready for the next section okay, i had the, i had the same question as marino so good job marino thank you yeah, so much yeah. so for for asking that that was a good one so the next uh segment we want to talk to we'll talk about is creating truly great content experiences that succeed at scale so we're looking as we're researching for this uh for this show i came across this article in marketing profs uh, it's titled the three new rules for content experience by randy frisch and in this article, Randy cites a 2021 B2B marketing report, which addresses this enormous disconnect that seemed to be happening between what marketers are prioritizing versus what buyers truly want, given this new space in which we are completely inundated with with Uh, marketing content. And, you know, it's it's getting harder to create that stuff that engages and entices for your audience. So to start, buyers do not want to be sold to, according to the study, they want to be educated. And the study found that uh, more than half of buyers are what they find useful as user reviews, product tours, and videos. But guess what? Marketers prioritize sales sheets, white papers, and ebooks, <laughs> Le- which we all know are those lead magnets we're all supposed to be creating, right? And so, mm. and customers also want a solution focused content, and they want it to be relevant, and they want it to be timely. So, how do we create these personalized content experiences that are both timely and relevant, but also at scale? It's like it's like that project management triangle I saw in business school of like, what is it like? Something could be like quick. Oh yeah. Done well. Easy. Yeah. What, what yeah. is yeah. that? Like? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and I feel like now, now we've pulled that triangle apart. So, so we want it all. How do we get it all, Janet? I think it just comes back
2: to the principles, which I like to think we've been using for years, which is just listening to your audience and just talking to them and asking them what it is that they, they want and how they want you to talk to them. Um, I certainly noticed a shift in my own content where educational content is, is what people Want they, they want you to educate them not only about um, the problems that they're having, that maybe your products or services solve, um, and they want you to educate them about about your products and to, and to tell them more and be able to ask questions and, and to find out more. I had a really interesting conversation actually the other day with a client, um, who was talking about how she was posting on LinkedIn and she was getting loads of engagement. She'd been following my strategies, <laughs> which is just about <laughs> starting conversations. Obviously just got to, got to stick that in, but she was saying, but I feel like I should be putting sales posts out. She's like, I'm getting loads of engagement. People are, uh, really getting involved in the conversations that I'm starting, but I'm just like, where, where's the sales post? And I said to her, you don't have to put a single sales post out ever. Like as long as people are reaching out to you and want to work with you, which is, is happening to her, you don't ever have to put any sales post however. Like, it, you know, if you're starting interesting conversations, if people see you as a resource, if they just want to be in your community, if you like, I mean, I think community is becoming more and more, important. Like, I feel like we've always talked about social media in the past. It's just being like, almost like a TV station or a radio station where we just broadcast at people. Whereas when I talk about like my, my main product is um, build your online audience. And in a way, I wish I'd called it build your online community because that's really building an audience is this idea, isn't it? Of like you getting up there and talking to people and telling people, how it is and what to do and whatever whereas actually really it should be build your online community because that's what people even when they're they're buying products and services they're buying into your community aren't they they want to be part of your your world Um, and I do think in a really noisy world people want to be entertained I think much more in their content and they want to be educated they want to have conversations they want to feel part of your community and I think that's where we're at and i think jeff your original question was about about how do you create that at scale that was what yeah, you yeah. asked wasn't it um and it's difficult isn't it because I, I i was i was actually creating some content earlier and i was thinking i know this is going to be out of date <laughs> <Like> really <laughs> yeah. really soon and i was thinking to myself like should i create this content because it's actually like a, a, a three-part podcast Um, and I was thinking, should I create this content because I know that even though my audience want this now and they want this information like today but it's going to be out of date and I'm going to have to include a bit that says oh by the way if you're listening even in a few months time it might be out of date Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking should I not create that content because because it's inconvenient for me because I might have to update it or (laughs) I might have to but then I thought to myself well no again this is about my ideal clients and customers and they really want this information. So yes, it's a bit more inconvenient for me. So I feel like we're going to, we are having to be more responsive. Um, And I do think that this short form content, which I talked about at the beginning, these reels and TikToks, they give us a way to actually educate people um, like, Today, instead of having to wait, you know, somebody asks me a question about how do you do this on Instagram or whatever, I right. can create that content for them today and I can post it today, rather than them having to wait for my podcast in six weeks or whatever because it's scheduled. And it's always a bit of a balance. But then I think, well, you you can integrate that content. So I've been integrating the content that so I've been creating my Instagram reels. I've been using that in my podcast and and finding ways to repurpose it if you like. So I think that perhaps the days of, of, of planning content months and months ahead,
1: (laughs) that that
2: might not be, you know, I think, I think I, I personally feel consumers are, they, they're looking for you to be more responsive because that's the world that we live in.
0: I I totally, I think I agree with that because like for this show, a lot of times the news, uh, we get planned and a guest like, you know, two days before we go live because we want to keep it relevant and keep it, you know, what's going on. You know, we looked at F8. We thought about talking about that today really wasn't exciting. So that's why we, we kind of switched it up on Janet and she's like, by the way, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this instead. So, because I knew she was good and I knew that a lot of people needed to hear this. So not only do marketers have to think about, you know, their content creation, we've talked about that a lot but they also need to consider distribution and the destination so what do you tell your clients like if someone were to take this moment to maybe reevaluate the distribution and their experience portion of their content marketing approach how would they go about doing that you know where would you tell them to start
2: so the first thing i always get my clients to look at is is um niche well niche (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well actually just to start off and say well you know what is it that I'm trying to achieve here and who is it I need to reach in order to, to do this? So I guess there's two parts to it. And then it's kind of like, okay, so who who are my audience basically? And Mm -hmm. what do I need to say to them and what's the best way to reach them? Now I have clients sometimes who literally will hold off creating any kind of um, like evergreen style content on their website because they are desperate to know the answer to this question, right? <laughs> which is what's better, YouTube or podcast? And I'm always like, well, you know, and, and they're reading all the reports and, and 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 I'm saying that the best one is the one that you can stick to. So mm. if you, yes, you might read that YouTube's where it's at and that's where you should be or whatever. But actually, if that's, that's too much for you, it's too overwhelming and, and there's too many pieces to it and you've not really done it before, but it's easier for you to just, plug in your mic and record a podcast, that's what you should do. Um, and if you, um, if, if writing is easier for you, there's still a place for written blogs as well. But I, I think that often people are wanting to wait for somebody to tell them that this is the right content form. This is, is, is the right way that you should be doing it. But actually, ultimately, it comes back to your audience. Like, who are they? What do they need to hear from you? What's the best medium for that? I find that there's usually an audience for whatever you sell on on whatever platform, you know. So Mm. what you feel comfortable with, if you hate video, starting a a YouTube channel, you know, a lot of people do get get better at it, but some people are just never really going to be video people, but they might be good at audio or they might um, really excel on a blog. So I I think it's a combination between, you know, what is it your audience needs to hear from you? And then it's about choosing a platform that you feel comfortable on and that you can stick to. I think a lot of people are just trying to do it the right way. (laughs) and trying to kind of say, well, you know, that person does it like that or that, that, you know, and actually it's got to suit you. It's got to suit your lifestyle. It's got to suit the way that you work and your personality. So that would always be the, the first place that I would start. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah. And so I always tell people like, I don't know why I do this live video thing because I have a face that is made for Photoshop, so it's Whatever. it's perfect. So, uh, but it's it just it seems to be working. So um, one of the co- things, and I'm going to fanboy a little bit, but one of the you you mentioned talking about like providing value and having people you know not doing the sales stuff, and like I fanboy about Lou Mangello all the time, but he talks about uh, he just goes lives and provides value, and he has built up this humongous community uh, around you know his Disney and going into the parks, and you know it's very popular but he's got these community that will that support him and make him he has a great living from this and he doesn't ever really sell I mean he mentions his stuff but that is really hard for businesses i think to get their mind around so talk you know we talked about a little bit but circle around and what do you tell clients like you mentioned uh the lady who was on instagram and she was like i never do sales stuff do you tell them never to do sales stuff or do you have a formula that you give them like you know one out of ten posts maybe you could do a sales thing what do you yeah. tell clients
2: yeah that's another thing everyone wants to know like exactly what percentage janet of my posts? right, sales yeah. Post. right. <laughs> and, and yeah tell me exactly and i'm like well it really depends doesn't it and it depends on what you're selling it depends on who your audience is also it might depend on you know when you're big launching something you might do a lot more salesy posts um And, you know, when you're not big on launching something, you might do less. You might be in a phase where you're audience building. Um, So everybody wants like the magic answer. And there isn't one, unfortunately. I wish there was because my job would be a lot easier. Um, And, I mean, I don't do a lot of salesy, salesy posts. I tend to favor more. More like getting—it's like community-based. So I've just launched a podcast, and I know—I mean, the stats tell me that if I just post loads of stuff like, "Hey, listen to my new podcast," like <laughs> um that's me—that's about me. It's not about my audience. So I will do lots of things. So I had a wait list. So I wrapped up my old podcast in April, and I had a wait list, and um, and, and I had a podcast wrap-up party, and 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 a waitlist and then um, I've been building that waitlist for a couple of months and then um, <clears throat> when it came to choosing the, the artwork and the cover you know got people to vote on the covers and got people to um, you know, give me feedback on uh, what content I should create for them I think it's really powerful if you can get people involved um, in the creation of your products and services and they feel invested in it like I sell this diary and every year we have a thing where people get to vote on the covers and so you know we whittle it down to eight and then people vote and they're like oh you know was mine in the top one and and so it's about kind of getting people involved in the journey with you the other thing i think a lot of people don't do is people in order to buy like i think it's chris ducker always says it's Mm -hmm. it's a really good way of putting it but people love to buy but they don't like to be sold to which is so true but so in order to get people to buy from us they need to desire our products or services and i think that's so you can create desire by doing some of the things that I was just talking about there, like getting people involved in, in the creation process, but people have to, they have to want to hold your product in their hands or they have to see themselves at your restaurant or they have to um, like want to wear the clothes or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people miss that, even quite established businesses and, you know, they'll put poor, poor photography out or they'll put, you know, right. if they're a product-based business, they have poor photography or no photography and wonder why no one's buying their stuff. So I'm always with content. I'm like, your your content has to meet an emotional need. And there's, well, there's two needs actually. So it ha- often it's about meeting a practical need, but when your content isn't connecting with people emotionally, that's just when it's going to kind of sink. And when you can draw people in, um, by, publishing relatable content or content that makes people feel something, you know, they, that they're emotionally involved. Um, and, or they desire, they, you know, they want to hold that product in their house. They want to wear the stuff they want to live in the, live in the place or stay in the right. BM, Airbnb or whatever it is. Um, that's, I think what we, we need to be trying to, to do. Uh, and it's that, you know, that's quite a hard thing to do. And it can be quite a hard thing to do when we're challenged You know, as small business owners, sometimes as well, you know, with budget, we may not have the budget for all the kind of, you know, top notch photography or whatever. But I think that's what we always need to be striving for in our in our content is um, we don't have to sell directly that much if people are desiring the product, the service. They want to be part of the community. Um, I was teaching a class this morning, actually, about Facebook groups and, and how to sell in Facebook groups. And everybody's like, right, okay, show me the strategies. Like, how do I say, well, hang on a minute, let's just go back. Like, (laughs) the first thing you have to do in a Facebook group is you have to assemble a community of people who who like each other and want to be around each other and and have got the same problems and want to talk about the same thing. So we were talking, for example, about, Erin Condren, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, who has planners, she has like a fan Facebook group for, for the planners um, and people oh, yeah. are in there like geeking out and saying like, how do I clean this something or other? Somebody was talking about some kind of pl- Franken planning or something. They're all geeking out together over these planners. They desire this product. They desire to be part of this lifestyle. And I think that's the bit that we have to,
1: that we really have to tap into and it can be really hard.
0: Oh, I agree. You're and talking I,
1: I, to my heart. You're talking to my heart here because I actually have a happy planner. So, and it's the same thing. <laughs> like I am part of a a Texas happy planner group, and then that diso- that turned into a Dallas area happy planner group, and that's what I'm part of. So, you brought mm-hmm. up a really good um a really good point about you know you have this like users you have this you these audiences community members that are excited and that made me think about user-generated content and how much are you instructing your um your customer your clients on, on leveraging that user generated content and sometimes it's hard to get people to like oh you like my product can you talk about it can you do a video about it can you do this right and uh, how do you organically get your audience to to talk about your product online in a way where you're not necessarily having to ask for it, or you ask for it, but you don't ask for it, right? To use a TikTok phrase, like tell me you love <laughs> your happy planner without telling me you love your happy planner, right? So. <laughs> I was trying to find
2: a, I think I have one of my planners on my desk, but I've, I've moved it. But um, again, it's about desires. So if people really desire the product, if they think I'm going to look really cool holding this or I'm going to, um, I, you know, people are going to admire me if I wear this or whatever. People will show it, will, will show it off anyway. So my diary, for example, that's why I was looking for one. Yeah. Um, people just send me, when the diary, because they look beautiful, when mm-hmm. their diary, we, we have a whole build up where they we have a, a wait list and then we have a pre-launch and people can choose their covers during the pre-launch. And so people are excited when their planner like lands there and they're sending photos on Instagram stories and we reshare them and all of this sort of stuff because they look nice. So, again, it's about creating a great product and something that people want to be part of. They want to be part of that community and they want to see themselves as the kind of person that plans and uses this beautiful diary. Um, but the other part of it is if you want people to give you great customer testimonials, you just have to make it really easy for them. So you have to ask. So, you know, when we send out the planners, we will obviously say, please tag me in a, a photo and here's how to, to, how to do it on Instagram. What well, I've really learned um, to get great testimonials, it's so easy, but the reason people don't give great testimonials is because they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have some really great video testimonials of my clients, um, like talking about, how much they enjoy the programs or whatever it is. And um, I I have templates for them. So I've created these templates Mm -hmm. um, that they can just fill in the gaps. Um, Because the reason, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I want to help people and give testimonials, but it just feels like one of those jobs where you're like, oh, you know, I can't be bothered. Um, And so if you give people a testimonial, or you say, let's just jump on a phone call, and I'll draft it for for you, and I'll send it to you, or we'll do it on a Zoom call, I'll do all the editing. So I've got some fantastic um, video testimonials because I've given my clients a template, and I've given them instructions how to do it. The thing I've discovered is that the reason people don't always give you user generated content, that kind of gold, you know, social proof, is again because they don't know how to do it. So, having just launched a new podcast, I wanted to get as many iTunes reviews iTunes did I just say iTunes I meant Apple (laughs) (laughs) Podcasts as soon as possible and um and but I thought there'll be some people in my audience I know who won't leave me a review not because they don't want to because they don't know how to do it and they can't find it Mm -hmm. um so I created a video um showing people how to do it Mm. on a mobile and how to do it on a desktop and just um and we used up my clever little messenger bot um to we put the competition in so we had a competition as well and said like if you if you um uh had a wait list you want to be the first to hear about the new podcast um and there's a competition um um, in order to enter you need to listen to the podcast and leave a review and if you don't know how to do it here's a video um and so what i'm always doing is trying to take all the barriers out of the way um when people make it really easy for you to make a review or they incentivize you then you do it but when you're like oh i don't really know how to do that i've now got to go onto apple Podcasts and work out right and And I think we underestimate how how much people don't know, like just because we know how to do something doesn't mean that the next person does.
0: Yeah. Pretend like you're explaining it to your mother. That's what I do it's like, "Okay, yeah. mom, this is what you do." And by the way, so I want to do this because as we're we've been talking about podcasts and and we talked about this last week. Eric and I were talking about, you know, now the call to action should be if you have a podcast, no longer to say "subscribe to my podcast" because that implies that there's money involved. If you say "go follow mine," and that's what they're telling you now to do with Apple, so make sure you do that. But we want to make sure you guys go check out uh Janet's podcast that she launched. It's amazing. It's like number 1 on the UK in, in like marketing and business or something like it, it's it's going bonkers over there so if you want to check out her uh, podcast make sure you go to courageous-content.captivate.fm and you'll see all her podcasts and there's a little button after you listen to one that says subscribe click on that and then go use subscribe to your favorite player or whatever but uh I'd love for you guys to go check it out. I would, I would consider it a personal favor if you would go there and leave her a rating and review because that really, that really helps out a new podcast. A um, couple of comments, real quick. I wanted to bring up Hilton's uh, comment. He says uh, that's brilliant about getting people involved in the creation process, uh, getting them the vote. Love it. And then uh, Marino says, I always ask myself the same question before posting any content: Does this resonate with a problem, an interest, or an uh, extingency? The pie model of uh, my community our tribe does this resonate with all of you it does and in fact Absolutely. if you guys are struggling with how in the world to do these cool live videos and lower thirds and everything that i'm doing today make sure you guys go check out our friends over at ECAM who sponsor and make this show possible you can go to social media news live.com forward slash ECAM. they're amazing uh, if you can dream up a live video they can make it happen so make sure you go check them out and grace uh, somebody that's dear and close to your heart as well talk about them <laughs> a little bit
1: Well, today we're doing this awesome deep dive into content creation with our very special guest, the amazing Janet Murray. And there's no better way to distribute that awesome content that you're creating than restream, especially if you're using live video, audio, or podcasting as part of your marketing strategy. So everything from custom branding to multi-streaming to over thirty online destinations because why only choose one choose them all go to all of them like we do right Uh, get all the tools you need to create a stunning live video live video show live podcast everything that you need to create this engaging and enticing content right with restream
0: right and samantha maybe i gave the wrong link but i'm gonna put this one up too that you can go uh figure out her podcast samantha says it's at janetmarie.co.uk forward slash courageous content podcast So I think that one works as well. So I want to and I think to that you one. can search
1: for courageous content podcast. Yeah, she's everywhere. I use, yeah, yeah, I use Stitcher and that's how I found it. So and yeah. Janet's face is on there, so you cannot miss it. It is like we said, number one in marketing in the UK and number two in the business chart. So she she just launched too, right? So we did want to talk to you about your podcast. So you know we know you just you just launched it. Tell us tell us about it. Tell us tell us what prompted it and what got you what got you going. So I had another podcast uh, for, for four years,
2: 450 episodes, and um, it oh. was it was going fine, but um, mm-hmm. people were still listening and seemed to enjoy it. But I felt like it had run its course. And you know when you get those TV shows where they just do one, two, too many extra seasons? And, yeah. and I felt like I was in danger of doing that when you're like, do you know what? It really would have been good if they finished it at season <laughs> whatever. <Yeah.
1: laughs>
2: so I, but I also, I wouldn't say I was like, bored particularly but i was starting to you know when you're just kind of knocking them out and i didn't want to do that mm-hmm. um so i decided to park it um at the beginning of april and i've been working on something new and i came up with the courageous content podcast because i feel like particularly with my audience as well is that yes you can have all the tricks and people can show you all the strategy but if you're fearful about putting yourself out there you know things like video what we're doing now um even just using the tech like when you were talking there about using eCam and Restream and whatever. Like it's hard, isn't it, to, to learn how to do all of that stuff. And and sometimes you're learning while you're doing it live, right. you know, it's the same with Instagram reels or whatever. So I wanted to, to create something that addressed like people's challenges around creating the content. So I came up with this idea, the Courageous Content Podcast, and I wanted to be more courageous on it as well. So I've changed the format. So I've got these coaching interviews, which are not just kind of live coaching, but you'd also hear me chip in and then talk about when I wasn't a great coach or, you know, (laughs) I should have asked a better question here or or actually I got a bit rattled by that or whatever. So there's a bit of me sort of jumping in. Um, I've got these amazing expert interviews. And one of the things I wanted to do actually was avoid – Um, interviewing marketers because, as I was saying earlier, I really look to non-marketers for for my content inspiration. So I'm looking at the TikToking nun or I'm looking at the guy birthing lambs on his farm or um, who else? I, I, I'm interviewing this 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 girl who's a, a pianist who used to play at the Savoy Hotel in London and, and how she's reinvented herself on TikTok. That's where I get my inspiration from is looking at almost like ordinary people who just jump on and start creating this amazing content. I think we can learn a lot. Um, and then I've still got the solo episodes, but short form content, again, just like I've been doing so much editing to make them much shorter. I used to just send an interview to my podcast editor and he'd make it sound nice. But actually I thought I only want to, I'm a writer by, by trade. And we have this phrase is like, make every word work for its pay, place on the page. And I kind of thought I want to make every word wake work for its place in people's Mm -hmm. ears so a lot shorter episodes um a lot more even in the interviews if I feel you know sometimes you get and you ask somebody a question and they maybe don't fully answer it or um, there's some ambiguity so I'll jump in and then say actually I think what they meant here was this or whatever so um I'm even going to be doing some tutorials um on the podcast so I'm trying to be more courageous in my content because I think if you are a content marketing person that's what people know you for people kind of expect you to lead. And I I felt things were getting stale, not just on my podcast, but on other people's content as well. (laughs) So I felt like I needed to shake things up a bit. So it launched on Monday, which is a bank holiday in the UK. So it's a holiday, Um, but I was, Number one in marketing in nine hours, which is exciting, and number two in business by I think the next day. Mm-hmm. Although I'm now at number four, which I'm not happy about. But not after this, <laughs> after this, after this,
0: after show, it's going to go back to number one. Yeah, yeah. it's going to
2: hopefully, yeah, hopefully, yeah.
0: yeah. So I, I wanted to ask this question because you know I've been podcasting for a long time. I uh, produce podcasts for like Guy Kawasaki, and so I, I love podcasting. Eric Fisher and I talked about it last week. If you want to go go back and listen to that episode or watch that show, that was a really good one about all the new stuff coming out in Apple. But I want you, Janet, to tell us, you know, how podcasting has helped grow your business. So people are thinking about diving into it and maybe why, sh- why business owners should consider starting their own podcast.
2: So it's hard to, it's hard to even describe how important it's been, but basically most of my paying clients come from my podcast. They find me, we talked before about, mm-hmm. about selling without selling. Well, most of my clients start off on my podcast podcast listeners and then they they get to know me and sometimes sometimes it can be quite quick but often it is six months a year or whatever before they become a client but there's no sale to make because they've been listening to the podcast they they know me they know my teaching and if they have stuck around that long they probably like it so when they join one of my programs or they buy one of my products, the diary is often actually the first thing that they buy. There's no say, there's no hard sell because mm-hmm. it's just a a relationship. It's just, they become part of the community and it becomes the natural next step to come and do more with me. So I love podcasting because although I, I like video and actually doing Instagram reels, I feel, I always thought I wasn't as good. I, I always thought I wasn't very good at video and, and that I was better at audio. Um, but it's, I think I've got better at video, but I just love the intimacy of being in someone's ear. And people really do feel like they get to know you. Like people will come up to your events. I'm sure you've had this as well, and be mm-hmm. like, oh, they feel like they know you because there's something so intimate about being in someone's ears and you can be in their ears for longer as well. So I think it's so powerful. I'm a massive, big fan of podcasting. And I think it, you know, it's, it's growing and growing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and i i'm interested to see like you know i'm experimenting with my format um i'm interested to see how other people do the same
0: yeah uh, and hilton says uh, lol i am in the funnel i'll see you in about six months <laughs> 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 you got in your funnel. so there he goes so grace you had one last question and we'll wrap up the show yes. because man this is we got to have janet back because this has been amazing but ask your last question yes
1: i would love to know since we're talking about content creation how long does it take you to prepare for each of these podcast episodes at least when you did in the past and and, in this new format this new model that you're doing now
2: (laughs) oh my lord well the new format (laughs) you know when you start something new and it does take you a while so and i've been so fussy about it because i just wanted to create somebody said to me like what are you wanting to do? Take over business or marketing? And I was like, I just want to make a really good podcast. But um, <laughs> I, but I, I mean, hours for hours mm-hmm. and hours for these first few episodes. But I think, as with anything, it's um, about getting into a workflow isn't it and once you've done mm-hmm. it a few times the process becomes a lot easier i do spend and actually one of my upcoming podcast episodes we discuss this at length but i do my own marketing first before i touch any client work always have done and and i mean like i do it in the morning before i do any right. client work i keep my mornings free and i don't see i don't see anyone like it makes me sound a bit princessish but like <laughs> i don't see anyone no. time yeah. because I prioritize creating my own content and I feel like I can't very well say to my clients, this is really important. You should be doing it if I'm doing mine at 11 o'clock at night and I'm not prioritizing it. Um, And I also know just like that guy, I missed his name. What was the name of the guy who said, I'll see you in six months, but um, (laughs) But it's so true, isn't it? Like that, those hours that you spend today will pay off um, six months, a year's, down the line Mm -hmm. um it's hard to see it like that because it's it's delayed gratification isn't it but um it's so important so uh, grace i couldn't even begin to tell you how long they're taking yeah
1: yeah i saw that other yeah, absolutely. Well, I saw that same advice resonated earlier today on Instagram. Actually, there was another one of our friends, Jamie Lieberman. She's she's a, a lawyer at hashtag, lawyer, uh, hashtag legal. And she had that same advice where she says that she devotes 30, I think, three hours. I don't know if it's a day or week or whatever on her own marketing for her mm-hmm. own business. And she basically said the same thing you did of like, you got to take care of your your business first before you start giving that advice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And
0: that is our show. We are right up against the hour here. I thank you guys so much for watching. And like I said, I could have Janet talk forever. Make sure you guys go check out her, her um, podcast. that's up on the screen here at courageous-content.captivate.fm. Janet, is there any place else that people can go that you want them to send them to to find out more about you?
2: Um, so my website, which is janetmurray.co.uk and Instagram, that's where I hang out the most, at janmurrayuk. And it'd be great to say hello over there.
0: Yeah. And make sure you guys go do that because she's got tons of stuff. Check out her planner. If you want to get in the funnel and see her in six months, just like Hilton said, but uh, she's got some great stuff. Make sure you check that out. We appreciate all of you. Thank you guys so much. Thanks so much for our our sponsors, Ecam. Find out more about them at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecam, and also Restream at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Restream. Thank you to my amazing co-host and producer, Aww. Grace Duffy, who is amazing. You can check her out over on Restream.io and see all her stuff she's doing. You'll see her speaking all over the place. Thank you, audience. Our next show is at uh, next Friday at, uh, on the 11th at 11 uh, a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Central. Make sure you guys go sign up for our text at 903-287-9088. Make sure you get always uh, reminded about that show. And with that, we'll see you guys next time. Appreciate all of you. Thank you, Janet. Bye, everybody.
2: Thank you. Social Media News Live.